What's up, guys? Welcome to the Underground Church Podcast. I'm James. We got my brother Abraham on the mic as well. What's up, guys? And today we're going to be talking about subliminal messaging, so to speak, in one of our favorite TV shows, actually, called Firefly. And this TV show is a little bit older. It aired a while back, I believe around the year 2000 or something like that. Right, Abraham? Yeah, I think so. But Abraham brought this topic up, and I haven't seen what he has to present yet. So I'm excited to talk about it. So Abraham, what do you want to show us today, man? Yeah, so because of potential copyright issues and stuff, I'm going to have to actually narrate the scene because the audio is probably copyrighted. Uh, But if you guys want to look at the clip, I mean, the title is right here. You can go on YouTube to look at it yourself. So let me narrate the scene as it's going on. So Shepard comes in and Rivers fixing his Bible. And now he's surprised. What? And she says, the Bible's broken. Just doesn't make sense. And now she gives a bunch of techno babble why there are so many contradictions and stuff. And he's not happy, obviously. A little bit more techno babble showing that the Bible doesn't make sense. And now she has a problem with Noah's Ark. And now he goes, you don't fix the Bible. She says it's broken. Just doesn't make sense. And he goes, it's not about making sense. And it's about belief and how belief changes your life. And you don't fix faith, but it fixes you. Yeah. So basically, River is uh, trying to be a covenant theologian here. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to combine all the scriptures together, right? There's unity in the Bible, guys. So, you know, that's, uh, I definitely had to throw that in there at the beginning. (laughs) So what this, as I was watching this clip and as I was thinking about this clip, I realize that this is probably something that is going on and has been going on for so many years in all in so many of the TV shows, movies, music, all this kind of media that we've been consuming since we were younger. I was thinking how many of these, I guess, yeah, subliminal messaging makes sense because I think a lot of people don't understand that when they're watching this with River using her technobabble, all that technological speak, And there's no actual real case for the Bible having contradictions. However, since we were younger, we've watched these TV shows or listened to music that has, yes, subliminally, so to speak, been eroding. What what would you call that? The, The foundation of, hey, it's okay to be a Christian. And it is actually a very rational worldview. Right, yeah. I think that most Christians... Similar to how they had this character called Shepherd Book in the TV show, he's playing a reverend or whatever, right? They kind of had him acting like, it's almost like he couldn't answer any of her questions, right? Like, it's like, she's really smart. The idea is she's actually a very intelligent person. And so she opens up this Bible and she's just, she has a marker. I think there was like red marker on the page. Was that her analyzing that? Or I don't know. Yeah, that that was her fixing the contradictions because the Bible's broken. 
<laughs> so yeah, she's fixing the Bible and apparently. And, uh, of course this reverend who's supposed to be trained up in that very Bible that he believes in has no answers to any of her questions. Mm. Right. And so the majority of culture and society believes that stories like Noah's Ark, for example, can't possibly be literal. Right. And she's saying we have to invent some complex math problem to figure out how to make this work. And it's really funny because the simple explanation for that in particular is actually that the animals that were brought onto the ark two by two, right? They could have all been little baby animals. It does not have to be that they were full grown. Like you didn't have to bring two full grown giraffes, two full grown elephants onto the boat, right? He could have just brought a bunch of fresh newborn babies since they're a lot smaller, you know? So that's just one explanation of how that can be explained. And yeah, so I mean, it's we, we've covered right? evolution, even creation, the Bible. We've covered this many times. It's just statistically ridiculous for evolution to have happened over the purported age of the planet Earth. So, yeah, it's like the, these little things that are not shown, and that the media, you know, that these TV shows that yeah, we love we love this TV show, but we have to point out these inconsistencies that. I think, emotionally discredit our faith. And I like what you said. It's the shepherd, the reverend's response is so powerless to address what she's trying to say. And the fact of the matter is, not only do we have God on our side, but we also have reason and logic on our side as well, just like the evolution example. Right, and that's the primary thing that I think most of popular culture tries to get across to the majority of the public, right? I mean, it was perfectly portrayed in this scene here. And it's kind of the the concept that, well, you know, this shepherd became a Christian at one point in his life. And the audience is led to believe that people do that similarly to him, not because the Bible can be mathematically or scientifically explained, and that any of those stories are actually literally true, right? This is the, the concept that they're getting out there. But people become Christians because they want something to believe in that gives them a hope, right? That makes them feel better, that gives them a reason to maybe live according to a certain set of ethics. They, they can try and feel like they're a better person or something. And so that's the general notion, I think, that not only with this TV show, but that's what's oftentimes pushed out there into popular culture, right? And it's simply not the case. So there are all kinds of Christians out there, and we don't just believe, not everybody just believes Christianity and think that there's no way to explain stories like Noah's Ark, right? I think what the majority of the world does who aren't Christian is they kind of will cherry pick one story out of the Bible or they'll pick something that doesn't make sense to them yet, they haven't heard the Christian explanation for that. And they'll just go with the popular mainstream scientific explanation of how that couldn't possibly be the case, right? That's a very risky way to decide whether or not you believe in something. You have this, this book, this very big, complicated book, the Bible, right? And it was written over thousands and thousands of years by different authors. And so to just kind of like grab a couple things that don't make sense to you, and use that to dismiss the rest of it. 
oh, see, this can't possibly be true because of like Noah's Ark. That's crazy. You can't fit all those animals on the boat. But see how I just kind of provided a simple explanation. It's like, well, what if you bring all babies on board, right? That yeah. significantly decreases both the size and the weights, right? And so that definitely makes it more possible than bringing like, because like, you know, people see these like children's paintings ever since they're kids of like full grown, like these two huge elephants being brought onto the onto the boat, right? Right next to these two huge giraffes. It's like, so I think the idea is that, yeah, like you said, Abraham, this is, there's always a common narrative that's pushed and people can easily grab hold of that. And they say, oh, see, that's popular. Like everybody is just, that's religious stuff, like Christianity. It's like almost, you know, they're like pitying us. Like, oh, we all know that the Bible can't possibly be literally true. You know, but they need to believe it, guys, because they need something to believe in. But we know we have science now, (laughs) as if science doesn't back up the Bible. But uh, exactly, and as if science isn't a religion in and of itself. Many aspects of it are. They have become that way. Science, and I have to defend science in its in what science fundamentally is. It's not bad, right? Because science can actually help us to discover the things that are found in the Bible, right? But. Yeah, what it has become is it has become a, like you said, Abraham, it's become a religion, especially with Darwinism. And we talked about that in some of our previous podcasts. But how do you see this, Abraham? How do you see this like affecting your friends or just people you know who watch popular TV shows and then they have this concept of Christianity where it becomes like a blockade, right? I don't know if you have any personal testimonies about that. Yeah, so... Before Even before I get to that, one of the things that I wanted to say is this is just one of the many things that we see. One of the biggest tropes, too, because these are tropes are it's the media equivalent of a figure of speech or, you know, some sort of technique that they use, some sort of pattern that is just widely accepted. And so to segue into what really kind of made me want to talk about this was I was talking with one of my friends and he's a Christian. And he's been seeing what's going on in the news. And he was like, Abe, what in the world happened? Like, how did all this happen at once? All the crazy stuff, you know, and the riots and all that kind of stuff. How could this, how could this have happened? And I immediately thought back into this clip. Because I was thinking, well, you know, a lot of these events don't just happen. It's not like there's like a pressure cooker and suddenly things explode. There's a slow progression and working towards this through people listening to and watching certain messages that they think are absolutely true when in fact it just wasn't tested. And I think that's what happens. I think that's what happens in the world is these little things that we don't catch, these little things that we see in a, in a movie or something like that, and we go, huh, that didn't feel right. And especially as Christians, huh, I don't know if that's right. And we let that go. And later on, we go, whoa, how did all these people start believing in these things that are completely different? And it's these little tropes, these subliminal messages, these scenes, these stereotypical characteristics, and it leads to very large-scale repercussions. So one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up was, one, as a challenge to the Christians out there. It's okay. I mean, this is a secular TV show, and still James and I were totally okay with saying this is one of our favorite TV shows. And in fact, it might be one of the best TV shows of all time. However, I think as a Christian, as a biblical Christian, as a Bible believer, 
we have a responsibility to recognize and to be able to discern truth from falsehood. And two, for non-Christians out there, I challenge you to try to confirm these claims. Try to prove evolution right. Try to prove creation wrong. And we'll see if we use logic and reason, and if we use evidence, we can have a dialogue and we can see what is actually true and what is actually not. Definitely. The interesting thing, too, is you can even have a good piece of media, a good piece of art that, for the most part, is not terrible, right? Not so much anymore. But, you know, back in the days, if yeah. you watch some of the older films or the older movies, they're definitely not all just jam-packed with propaganda the way that they are more so today. And I think what that is is a lot of the writers are, are catering and pandering out of fear. Because now they have to please so many different groups and they have to stay relevant and they have to keep getting hired by that same company and they all, you know, it's just a big political thing. But the idea is that you can even have a TV show that a lot of it is very good, but you got to watch out. You got to keep an eye out for those little pieces in there that kind of are pushing something. There's always a spiritual battle going on. And by the way, too, Everybody should be able to express their opinion. But the idea mm. is that for Christians in particular, right, there's a reason why the non-Christian opinions out there have been thriving. And now all the Christians, if it's like a scale on one side, you have the Christians and on the other side, you have all the non-Christians, right? The Christian narrative has gone all the way down. And the reason why is mm. because, you know, everybody who's a Christian, they just kind of keep their mouth shut. Right? And you know why, bro? It's because a lot of them don't know how to answer these questions straight up. They're not educated in apologetics. They don't know how to defend any of this stuff, right? So they'll see something like this and it'll probably sway them in their mind because they'll start to doubt their own faith. They'll be like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense, right? Things like that will chip and ebb away at their faith over time. And that's why a lot of people today, you're seeing a lot of people come forward and they're like, you know what? I'm denouncing Christianity and the reason why is because I'm telling you, it's because these guys were not trained up in apologetics and the Bible because, I mean, this is a great topic that we always have to call out and talk about on this podcast, right? What we need to see is we need to see more biblical education in churches, more mm -hmm. apologetic education in churches, defense of the faith. Why do you believe in something? Right. Critical thinking is very important. And we become a society where in many churches, it's frowned upon to critical think because they just have a tradition and you can't go against their tradition. You have to be lockstep. You have to agree with everything precisely, exactly the same way that they do on even the smallest doctrinal differences. And so it just becomes a routine, a tradition where you show up at church, you hear the same sermons, whether they're the same doctrinal sermons, which is getting rare, right? Most of the time these days, they're like devotionals. They're just these devotional sermons that don't have anything to do with doctrine. They'll quote a Bible verse and they'll talk about it. They'll talk around a Bible verse to try and give like a general life lesson about how we should all love each other or something. It's like, you don't even need to go to church to get that. Let's just be honest, right? God appointed teachers. He also appointed pastors. Hmm. These people are supposed to be leading the flock, they're supposed to be teaching them and preparing them. Not saying that all of them aren't, right? But certainly, I mean, come on, guys. Like, it's kind of obvious by now. You can see the fruits in our society in the first world all around us, right? right? You can see the fruits. 
of why this narrative, the popular culture narrative of non-Christendom, has taken over. And the reason why is because the Christian side has not been educated on how to come up with a defense for it. So that's one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem in churches today. And what that does is, what happens, guys? People come to church, and now that they've been going to that church for a while, some of them years and years, and some of them are in leadership. They're on the praise band. They're on this leadership team. They're on mission trip team or whatever, right? But they're not trained to answer these tough questions. Also, many of them don't know doctrine because they're not teaching that anymore because they don't want to divide anything, right? They don't want to separate and lose paychecks. Let's keep it real, bro. Let's keep it real, all right? We know this is a real thing. Come on, we're going to scare some of our members away. We don't want to divide the church. We start teaching doctrine and we go that deep, right? And so what they do is they fall back instead all the way in the other direction. They're not teaching doctrine at all. They're just teaching those devotionals. And now what happens is like there's these people who get into leadership, right? But they're not trained in any doctrine, but they themselves don't know. Like they themselves don't realize how, you know, how untrained they are because the Bible is a very complicated book and we are in a very heated, heavy spiritual warfare that the devil is very smart and he's the lowercase g God of this world. And so he's going to have influence being pumped at you through things like the entertainment industry and the media. As Christians, you got to realize that we have to have a defense for this. Yeah, I like what you said about a lot of these people too. They're just towing the line. They're towing the line. And if you don't agree with Pastor X, Y, and Z, then we're not even going to listen to you. I remember the first time I, when I was first studying this was after I had decided that I was just going to use the KJV. And now I was studying dispensationalism. And I was studying dispensationalism, and there was a older gentleman that I liked to hang out with at the church I was going to. And I was kind of outlining to him what I've been learning. You know, the various different, in the Bible, the various different ways that God worked within and with humanity. And so I was outlining all this kind of stuff. I was like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. And immediately, immediately this guy went, Abe, you're a heretic. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, no, no, wait, wait. Um, I, you know, I spoke out of turn. But this is heretical stuff, man. And I, I just had to say, hey, did you even listen to what I was saying? How this was biblical and, you know, this is how God dealt with the Israelites this time. And, and I tried to explain to him, but he couldn't get he couldn't listen. It was a physical, it was almost, a, it was a mental, physical inability to listen to what I was saying. Immediately, his heretic meter somehow came up and he blurted, <laughs> seriously, he just, he was blurted, Abe, you're a heretic. And I was like, what the heck? We, we were in a restaurant and he just blurted it out. And then he had to catch himself and he went, what you're telling me is heretical. It, it was that much of a hair trigger. His ears immediately closed because he could not listen to the logic and the biblical evidence somehow. And yeah, it's it's hard for people to do that, man. It's hard for people oh to consider gosh, a different surprised. perspective when they're so like set in stone on something that they've believed for so long. You know, they'll have their interpretation of the Bible 
and it's very difficult for them to consider a different perspective. The reason why is now what that causes them to do is it causes them to consider many different verses in the Bible in a different in a different way, right? But yeah, go ahead, Abraham. I mean, that's crazy to hear, man. Yeah, no, I remember I remember what exactly I was talking about now. Because I was talking about, hey, I was telling him, I think that there are different gospels, different good newses in the Bible. And right when I said that, right, he went, Abe, you're a heretic. And then he, he had to take it back and he was like, no, you know, pe- people are all saved in the same way throughout all, you know, since the beginning of creation to the end of, you know, end of time, to the apocalypse. Yeah, they're equating, you know, we got to point this out for our listeners, right? Because this is like a big issue in the church. There's no, there's only one gospel. It's like the word gospel means good news. It does not mean the method of salvation, right? Mm -hmm. And God has to give people different sets of good news in different situations and different time periods because not everybody from the beginning knew about Jesus Christ's payment for sin on the cross, we know about it today because we can look back across all of scripture now that it's all already done, right? But back then when they only had half of the scriptures that we have today, some of them, because the other half might not have been written yet, right? They didn't know the same information that we know today. Many times the Bible clearly says that Jesus himself could be telling something directly to their face and they didn't believe it. And in fact, it says that, Jesus was saying things, and those very sayings were hid from the people. Yeah. And so the idea is, here, here's what we believe here, guys, as dispensationalists, right? The rapture of the church is going to happen because God, one of the reasons, one of many reasons from Scripture is that God is not going to pour his wrath out on his own body, right? Because there's a great tribulation period coming. So God is not going to be pouring his wrath out upon his own body. We, we are his body. We are the spiritual body of Christ. We are members of his flesh and of his bones, spiritually speaking. Right? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. So God already poured his wrath out on Jesus Christ on the cross, right? When, when Jesus Christ paid for our sins. And God is not going to do that again. He's not going to crucify Christ again. We are his body. Uh, that's just one of many reasons. We'll cover those later. Uh, we got UGC Bible studies as well. But guys, it's important to note that once the rapture happens and the body of Christ is removed from this earth, the people left behind in the great tribulation period are not going to be instantly placed into the spiritual body of Christ the way we are today. When we get saved today, we receive eternal life immediately on the spot. And God gives us a new nature We're born again immediately on the spot, right? But God is going to remove that body. That body is not going to be on the earth. And people left behind on the earth during the Great Tribulation, just because they believe, they're not going to get placed into the body, remember, because God is going to be pouring his wrath out on the earth. So his body is going to be nowhere on the earth. His spiritual body will be gone. And so they don't get eternal life on the spot, right? What they have to do is they have to keep believing until the end. And that belief will produce certain types of works, such as the work of avoiding the mark of the beast. But it's not those works that are saving them because your works can't earn you a way into heaven. Only the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross can do that. Only the blood of Christ can pay for your sins, right? But the thing is, those saints have to keep maintaining their faith through, here's the important part, through that great tribulation that they're experiencing, which is going to be very difficult for them to do. 
Okay. Just don't think that just because somebody believed in Jesus, that they're not going to be extremely tempted under those most difficult circumstances in the history of mankind that will show up to take the mark of the beast and fill their bellies and get out from under all that crazy persecution and the fear of getting beheaded. Don't think that just because somebody believes in Jesus Christ, right, that they're not going to be capable of falling into that temptation. There is a different set of good news that's going to be applied in the great tribulation period. Okay. It's different because here's the reason why, right? They're going to have to endure to the end to be saved. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, they're not supposed to draw back onto perdition, but instead they have to believe to the saving of the soul and that they have to labor to enter into God's rest, lest any of them fall back into unbelief. And it says, if any man, let him keep laboring to enter into his rest. Well, they're not laboring in the sense of doing works. What they're doing is they're laboring to maintain their very faith itself. And since they don't have a new spirit nature in the body of Christ, right? That means that when their singular nature is continuing in belief, it's also going to be producing works because faith without works is dead. So in our time period right now, sometimes there's Christians who are not always producing works. That's because they're walking in the flesh, right? But we have a new spirit nature. But what's going to happen to them on the earth when we're gone, guys, they're only going to have one nature. So while that one nature is maintaining its faith, it's going to be producing works as well. Okay, so that's a very key difference. You see how different scenarios where the body is not going to be here anymore, that requires a different gospel because the mechanism of how somebody gets saved is not immediate. See, today we're saved, we're saved past tense today, right? The people in the tribulation, they have to endure to the end, which is a certain type of laboring to maintain your belief. That's what the Bible says. Only the blood of Christ can pay for our sins. However, it's like, well, I've said this before, right? It's how and when that blood is applied to somebody, right? Today, we're given an entirely new nature and God completes the process in the spirit. That's why we're saved past tense, right? But in the great tribulation, it says things like they can trample the blood of God underfoot, right? Because God is not going to separate their spirit nature and baptize that person into the body of Christ. They're not fully saved in the spirit yet. That's why they have to keep enduring to the end. See how that makes sense when you just have dispensationalism and you recognize God has instructions that are perfect for every event and every time period. But people refuse to believe that because they worship an idea. Oh, there's only one gospel in the Bible. Anything else is heresy. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. The, the Bible says that in the church age that we live in right now, there is only one gospel being preached right now the gospel of the grace of God. Here's the thing, guys, before that gospel was clarified because there are mysteries revealed within that gospel that were hidden from all ages past. So before those mysteries were revealed, before that gospel was fully clarified, there was another gospel already being preached, the gospel of the kingdom, which is for the great tribulation, enduring to the end to be saved. So there are different gospels in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. So if people want to keep worshiping their, you know, their dogma and they don't want to believe what the Bible says, they just want to go believe some famous teacher, then what can we, what can we do, Abraham? You know, those people are zealous, but not according to knowledge. That's mm -hmm. what they are. They read one verse and they try to apply that verse everywhere, not even reading that verse in context because they're using that one verse to cancel out other verses. I make a joke sometimes like covenant theologians, they'll like, cherry pick verses out of the Bible and use those verses like they're a laser gun to then shoot other verses out of the Bible, like they're erasing them, mm. like they don't exist. 
right? right? And so what happens is many of these guys come up with a false gospel, a works salvation gospel. That's because they're trying to combine. And so that's why you got to do what the Bible says and rightly divide according to what God tells you when those instructions show up and who they're for. So the gospel for the great tribulation is not for the church, the body of Christ, because the church, the body of Christ is not even going to be there. (laughs) But today, let me just last point here. We have two natures. We have a spirit nature in Christ, our new man, our spirit nature. We are a new creature in Christ. And we have our old nature, our fleshly nature, our old man. We can still walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. So while somebody is walking in the flesh, it might appear like they're backsliding. It might appear like they're not continuing in their faith to walk faithfully with the Lord, right? But that simply means they're walking in their flesh. It doesn't mean that they're not saved. It means that they're not currently walking in the spirit because they have two separated natures, right? So therefore, that verse that James is talking about, faith without works is dead. Yeah, but once you're saved in the church age, you're saved and you're eternally secure and you can't lose it. So somebody could be walking all over the place in their flesh and you wouldn't even know whether they were continuing the faith or not. Okay, so that faith without works is dead thing is more applicable during the great tribulation period and also for the Old Testament saints. So anyways, yeah, Abraham, I had to clear that up. My bad, man. No, no, that's fine because I talk with a seminary grad recently from a Korean seminary. I was curious because this person was telling me that covenant theology is basically everywhere. Calvinism is basically everywhere in the Korean church. So I asked this person, well, what's the history of that? How did that happen? And you would, you know, people that are in Calvinist churches and stuff, they think, oh, because of a logical reason, there was a very sound argument that was made, and then everybody agreed, okay, yes. But that's not what happened. What happened was the Calvinist churches had more money to give to new churches. So what happened was, seminary grads, I'm not going to get too into detail, but there were, originally in Korea, there were three separate camps. But one of the camps were linked to the Calvinists in the United States, and they had a ton of money to give to the pastors and to set up the churches and stuff. So what happened? A lot of these graduates from any Korean seminary, they wanted to eat, or they wanted money, or they wanted, you know, whatever, So they flocked to the Calvinist denominations because they had money. Like, that's it. I don't know how what happened in the churches of the United States, but I know that in Korea, what happened was they didn't didn't actually look into it and debate or look into the Bible, look into the Word and see, okay, what's true, what's not. What they did was they followed the money. And what does that say about those people that are just blindly zealous and are not actually reading the word. That's their history, at least in the Korean church. It's nothing noble, nothing about seeking the truth, nothing about being biblical. It's literally, we want a potlucks in our congregation, we want a bigger building, so we chose this denomination. Boom. And you know, when I learned that history, I was blown away. Zero to do with seeking the truth or seeking God. And it had everything to do with seeking worldly things. And, you know, for a lot of these people, I I encourage you not to just go, okay, you're a heretic, and actually look into what you're actually saying that you believe. Study the Word of God and actually verify if what you 
believe or thought you believed is biblical or not, and not go to Pastor X, Y, and Z, or Pastor ABC, or this person that wrote a book called Systematic Theology. And instead of referring to those guys, I would say refer to the Bible. I think that that's pretty much it, man. I'm liking how we came full circle back to the Bible, and we started off with a video clip from a TV show about the Bible. Kind of interesting, <laughs> but we do keep the Bible at the center here, guys. So That's right. Anyways, Abraham, if you want to go ahead and uh, close us off here. All right. This is the UGC Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.